Well, welcome to another week of broadcasts here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I uh, hope your team won yesterday in the big game. Um, that's all the that's all I'm going to say about that one. But I did want to, uh, you know, make mention of the fact that uh, with the record amounts of, you know, what happens in the Super Bowl, people like to watch the game and they watch it internationally. It does have a huge impact on the culture. And so uh, there we talked about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Full stop. Um, I want to get into a story here. We're going to talk about some some interesting things today here on the program, I think, with regard to values, with regard to what's happening in the culture as it pertains to um, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of value, the sanctity of tradition. There's a remarkable story out of Syria as the death toll continues to climb in the uh, Turkish-Syrian earthquake, uh, the, the worst in more than 100 years. I mean, it was the worst in more than 100 years, what, a week ago when the death toll was only 4,300. Um, it, it's just amazing to see how people who will look at uh, the world through the lens of Scripture when there's a tragedy and then they'll throw that lens away when things seem to be going well. And what I mean by that is the number of people who are now looking at these stories of rescued kids and you know lives that are being uh, turned upside down and, and the idea that there are people who uh, have, um, you know, have, have the capability of doing better and you know, raising money and throwing in their support. I'm always fascinated with the number of people who all of a sudden revert back to, if you will, biblical principles and biblical values in times of tragedy. I mean, we talk a lot about God's natural law that's written on the hearts of men, and, and sometimes you see this, especially from progressive people who have this value system, and they'll say, well, you know, any good, decent, this, that, and the other person. And then you ask the question, okay, well, what is your basis for morality? And their response is, well, everybody knows. I mean, what's good and what's right? And it invariably reverts back to the desire to have a standard, to treat people fairly and want to do good and be noble and truth-telling and this, that, and the other thing. But then the wrestle, the wrestling match that's going on in your soul with the flesh versus the spirit. And people who are worldly and do not, I mean, it's tough enough for Christians living in this culture. We could do weeks worth of programming on the Bottom Line Show, focusing on nothing more than clergy abuse. Uh, you know, the sexual mistreatment of the Catholic Church or the Southern Baptist Church or the pastor, there was one in Florida, I believe, who wound up bilking an elderly couple, out, literally convinced them to sign their home over to the church, to the pastor, because she was a prophetess or something. I mean, it's just terrible. Unfortunately, we could fill up our airwaves every 90 minutes each and every day with nothing but those kinds of stories. They are out there. But I am intrigued with the number of people who are having such a difficult time with the fact that I believe that God's natural law is written on the hearts of every one of us. We're created in his image. And so we come pre-wired, if you will, with biblical values. But then the world interferes with our minds and shows us different images. And we hear certain things that other people who have been corrupted by the system will say. And next thing you know, it's that uh, bad company corrupts good character. It's the, the, the principle of the rotting fruit. You know, you get a bunch of grapes together or something. I, I think grapes, this happens with them. And one of the grapes goes bad in the bunch and it's leaned up against some of the other grapes. And so next thing you know, whatever that is, mildew or I don't know what causes it, causes it to fall apart. But all of that literally 
you could see the whole batch go bad. You know, that one bad apple, what was it the Bosmans used to sing? <laughs> Spoils the whole barrel of the whole basket full of them. And you can see how the culture has become corrupted by uh, the, the, the sinfulness of mankind, and yet there's still that desire to want to do right, you know, to want to help people in times of need. I wonder how many people reached out, for example, uh, for DeMar Hamlin. I mean, you saw what happened, the, the young man with the Buffalo Bills, he had a heart attack, collapsed on the field in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals on January 2nd. And within a couple of days, millions of dollars had been raised. Not necessarily for his medical support. I think a lot of people thought, well, he plays in the NFL and he's got money and you know he doesn't need our help. But somebody went online and they dug up a project that he had been a part of when he was in college. Went to the University of Pittsburgh, stayed close to home from where he grew up. And he found a neighborhood near where he was where the kids were less fortunate. And so he started as a, an outreach project. He started a program to make sure that every kid in the neighborhood had something to open up, a toy of some sort to open up on Christmas Day. And so he started the toy drive a couple of years before. He goes, hey, you know, it's like a GoFundMe thing. Hey, guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise 2500 bucks so he could buy enough toys for all of the kids on the street. What do you say? Well, they raised the 2500 Yay, good, good for you. And it, he did this for a couple of years. Well, on January 2nd, people went online and they found that GoFundMe page and they were so moved with compassion to want to help this guy out that they started donating money to that campaign. Pretty soon, the $2,500 goal became a million dollars, then $2 million. Last I heard, over $9 million was raised for DeMar Hamlin's toy drive. Isn't that incredible? Why? I mean, first of all, wasn't Christmas. Second of all, we don't even know if it was still active. The last reported activity had been two years prior. Maybe he was on to something else. But in their desire to do something good and do something right, thousands of people on the social media world got on his platform and said, I want to help. Show me where I can help. I will help. And we as human beings do that. We want to help. We want to do whatever we can to help people in need if it's something that motivates us emotionally. Now, as Christians, we're going off a different motivation. Our motivation is spiritual, of course. We are motivated by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So anybody who says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about, uh, you know, what's happening here because uh, uh, this organization did this or that did that, and it seems like a lot of Christians and are, are being forced into what they would call works theology, and it's by works that you can then prove to God that somehow you're worthy. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, that has been one of the knocks against the Catholic Church for a number of years is the fact that the church puts so much stock in the fact that salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ through the church and that people who are good Bible-believing Christians are honoring their commitment to do the work. And, you know, I, I get it. If James tells us that you're, you know, you say I have faith, good, so do the demons, and they shudder in, in the presence of God. You know, anybody can say, I believe in God. But faith without deeds is dead. In other words, you have faith, and the gift of faith enables you to receive the gift of salvation that puts you in prime position to, you know, to serve others in the name of Jesus. Now, when you're serving others, the question is, why are you doing it? 
you know, why do we come on the bottom line show and ask you to make a contribution to preborn, for example? Uh, that contribution to preborn, a $28 donation provides one ultrasound session for a woman at a preborn clinic. You know, pregnancy test, ultrasound, technician, all that stuff. Um, basically, 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic will see that ultrasound and decide to keep the child. I mean, either to keep the child to raise or to release the child for adoption. The child lives. 85% of the time. Mom received salvation on, on many occasions, 10,000 plus last year alone with experiencing the witnessing of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus through the witnessing of the ultrasound. And we have bottom line listeners who have donated, uh, they're donating $56 a month for two ultrasounds. And then thank you for those recurring gifts. There, people are donating $2,800 to save 100 babies' lives. We've had several bottom line listeners step up and donate $15,000 for an ultrasound machine. One ultrasound machine will perform 250 ultrasounds a year for a minimum of 10 years. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? All those babies saved. I mean, by the way, 833-850-BABY is the number to call for preborn. 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Click on the banner for preborn and make a tax-deductible donation. Let I mean, as we approach Valentine's Day tomorrow, talk about the love of Christ for us. How about the love of Christ displayed through the sanctity of human life? Let's, let's get an ultrasound machine this week. $15,000. 833-850-BABY. Talking about standards and morals and values, on the other side of this break, I want to get into something when it comes to what happens when the church, I mean, it's nice to see the world operating with biblical values, like in the DeMar Hamlin case, for example. But what happens when the church starts using worldly values to try to determine whether or not something is of God or not? Let's take a look at one of those cases involving a Catholic high school who has suspended a student for the remainder of the school year for stating his belief that God created two genders. Is it even possible that something like this would happen? The biblical definition of gender and human beings is now into question at a Catholic high school in Ontario, Canada? We're going to find out the details coming up next as the bottom line continues. This is an exciting time. We just finished our first movie. We had a great turnout from KBRT, and we want you to know that you're invited to the second one. Those of you who missed it, because we know there's quite a few who would like to have come, it's going to be on February the 25th. It's going to be at the Gem Theater. They're going to have free popcorn, free sodas, and free hot dogs. It's a fun location. It's a fun place to go and take you back in time. But really what it does is it's even more fun to get the information because the information that you get can really be vital to where you are now or where you're going to be in five years from now. And so when do you start thinking about retirement? Well, you better start thinking about it now. And and so this will get you ahead of the ball, get you ahead of the curve. We can't emphasize enough that it is really a, for lack of a better word, it's a non-denominational movie. It's just there to give you the facts and let you disseminate how and what you're going to do with your future. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh and glad that you have tuned in today. We're Kind of getting kind of wonky here on this analysis, balance, and clarity segment of the program. We've got a couple of these coming up this week. But as we were discussing how easy it seems for people in the world to slip into a biblical worldview when there's a crisis, like the, uh, the uh, 
uh, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, uh, the Damar Hamlin medical challenge. People showed up, you know, with millions of dollars in donations and, and how wonderful that is. What happens, though, when the church kind of starts adopting the attitude of the world with regard to common ideologies? Josh Alexander is a student at St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfro, Ontario, Canada. He has been suspended. Back in November, he was suspended for the remainder of the semester for his outspoken stance on the fact that there are only two genders, male and female. Now, it appears that the school district has doubled down and they have suspended him for the rest of the school year. Now, in an interview with the Epic Times, Alexander, who is in the 11th grade in Canada, I guess that still puts you as a junior in high school, as it were, said the school told him that his attendance at the school would, quote, be detrimental to the physical and mental well-being of transgender students. Now, I understand that if there's something going on in the on the school grounds and it becomes a distraction, it becomes a media circus, hey, this kid's being suspended or charged with a crime or this, that, and the other thing, I can understand where the school would say, hey, you know what, there's so much press here and it's such a distraction for the, there's, say there's a thousand students at the school and everybody wants to put a camera on you. So if that's a distraction, I can totally understand the district sitting down with a boy and his parents and, and their attorneys, I'm sure now, have gotten involved and saying, look, um, you know, there, there's this case against you right now and you're a student here and it's really become a media circus. We've got the big TV trucks out in front of the school all day long and paparazzi and, you know, web cameras and everything. Why don't we just put you on home study right now until this thing gets sorted out? I could totally understand them doing that, and I think that would be somewhat reasonable. The problem, though, in this case is that Josh Alexander's enemy here is the school. Basically, here's what Josh Alexander is guilty of doing. In November, he was punished because he organized a protest on campus. He said there were a couple of girls who are friends of his in the 11th grade at St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Ontario. And they said, hey, you know what? There are a couple of guys here on campus who identify as girls. They're showing up to school wearing girls' clothing, but obviously they're still guys. So in other words, biologically, they are male. The girl said, you know, I know that, you know, you want to be inclusive and all that stuff but quite frankly I'm not comfortable using the restroom or the locker room knowing that one of these guys could be in there acting like a girl it just makes me uncomfortable so Josh Alexander organized a uh, well everything's a protest or a rally these days but he did organize a rally and said look uh, here's the situation we have to take into consideration whose rights are being impeded upon. I know that you could very easily say, well, what about this, these transgender students? You know, these are guys who are uh, wrestling with gender dysphoria. They, they believe that they have been trapped in the wrong body or born in the wrong body. And as a result, they're trying to figure out their sexuality and they should have accommodations made for them. 
Now, here's something I have never understood about this argument. And again, if, if, you, if you have a transgender student or some, a student who's a child who's dealing with gender confusion in your home, uh, my heart goes out to you. I've talked to a couple of parents, not a lot, but a couple of parents and grandparents who've had this happen in their home. And they say it's heartbreaking because it really does draw a dividing line. You know, either people are just really quick to jump on and say, yes, we have to support this child and whatever you want to do is fine. Or no, God said that if you're born male, you're male, born female, you're female, and we can't have any discussion about it. So I trust me, I, I understand the pressure. But one thing I don't understand is this. This happened here in the People's Republic of California several years ago. California has all sorts of transgender, quote unquote, protections for minors. And yet California really does not know how many students are impacted by transgenderism. As a matter of fact, this is up until a couple of years ago, there was only one school district in California of the 58 counties in the Golden State. Of the 39 million people who live in California, of the 6.2 million students at that time who are in public school, there was exactly one school district that actually even bothered to ask, how many transgender students go to your schools? San Francisco Unified School District was the only district in California that even bothered to ask. All the other districts were speculating. But up until legislation was passed a couple of years ago, you know how the districts handled it? They handled it case by case and almost exclusively, almost unanimously, if a student were dealing with transgender issues and they wanted to participate in, you know, the guy who wanted to identify as a girl and wanted to go to the locker room to change, the accommodations were almost invariably that child went into the teacher's lounge, used the bathroom there unaccompanied, and nobody knew and nobody cared. But then the social justice warriors got involved, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, you know, we have to make a big deal out of this. I mean, back when President 44 was in office, and he, he started withholding school lunch funds unless schools provided accommodation for transgender students. And bear in mind that the bulk of transgender students now, this is a long way from the Johns Hopkins studies back in the 1960s, where a person would say, I believe I'm transgender, and they would meet with a psychiatrist regularly for like five years before they would start the transition process. Now, you got a couple of girls hanging out. One of them says, I feel like a guy, cuts her hair, starts wearing guys' clothes. And then two of her friends say, yeah, we, we, we do too. Where are the hormones? And now the states are running in to make sure that they block all the parents. You can't get involved, and we have to do gender-affirming care. It's a new study coming out of Finland from a leading gender dysphoria researcher who says the vast majority of kids who experience that kind of gender dysphoria, using their words, outgrow it. But back here at St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfro, Ontario, Josh Alexander has now been suspended for the entire school year because him calling attention to the school district and saying, hey, school administration, I have a couple of girlfriends here. They don't want to go public. I'm not going to out them. But they've told me, you know what? I don't like, I feel uncomfortable being in the girls' bathroom with a couple of guys who wear dresses and skirts to school. The school's response was, well, you are now suspended, young man, for the rest of the year because your attendance at the school, quote, would be detrimental to the physical and mental well-being of the transgender students. So my question is, if there's a thousand students attending the school, let's say, and there are two students who are transgender, you're literally going to put the, uh, the 998 other students in some kind of jeopardy because these two students feel ostracized? And two... Our knowledge here, 
no one or none of the transgender students has issued any sort of complaint. So now, it, it's it, incredible. The idea that the school has labeled Josh Alexander as offensive and a bully, it doesn't make any sense. Evidently, one of the transgender students is also an 11th grader, and that's why the school has labeled his uh, beliefs as offensive and even bullying. Here's what Josh Alexander said in response. Offense is obviously defined by the offended. I have expressed my religious beliefs in class, and it spiraled out of control. Not everyone's going to to do that, or they're not going to like it. doesn't make me a bully. doesn't mean I'm harassing anyone. They've expressed their beliefs. I've expressed mine. Obviously, mine don't fit a na- uh, narrative. He said, for them, it's about identity. For me, it's about biology and morality. It's interesting. Um, So what happens to this guy? I mean, Josh Alexander told the Post Millennial in Ontario, they're using this as a technicality to say that they're not disciplining me. This is just a form of exclusion to protect other students. However, he's already enrolled at St. Joseph's Catholic High School, which reportedly bars him from enrolling at any other programs. He said, I can't do any other form of education right now because as long as I'm enrolled in this Catholic board, I'm not allowed to take an alternate route for education. So I'm enrolled, but I'm not allowed to attend school. And right now I have no form of education. So how do you think the uh, uh, Canadian officials are actually going to handle this? Let's take a look at that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We are doing analysis, balance, and clarity on the case of Josh Alexander. He's an 11th grader at St. Joseph Catholic School in Renfro, Ontario, Canada. He has been suspended now through the end of the school year because he wanted to organize a rally in support of a couple of girls at his school who are what you would call, I guess, cisgender. They were born girls. They live as girls. They are girls. And they expressed interest. There's an 11th grader at St. Joseph's who's a boy who identifies as a girl, uses the restroom for bathroom needs and uses the locker room for physical education, etc. And basically, uh, he said, they told him, we don't feel comfortable when that guy's in here. So he said, hey, can we have some kind of hearing in the school so that we can let these girls, you know, have their feelings heard as well? And the school's response was, you're offensive, you're bullying the transgender student, and you're now suspended. Um, It's interesting. This guy, because of the uh, Renfro County Catholic School District Board, is now in a bit of a quandary. Because he's enrolled in Catholic, we would just say, well, if you're suspended from this school, just go enroll in another school. you got no problems. But not in the People's Republic of Canada, where since he's enrolled in the Catholic County, uh, uh, excuse me, the Renfro County Catholic School District Board, he's enrolled at that school, which means he has forsaken all other schools. He's not allowed to enroll anywhere else. So he's got to sit out the rest of this academic year unless... He gets some kind of legal relief. And so therefore now he is taking the school board, he's taking the school, anybody else he can to task and say, look, I just want to go to school. It's interesting. He has appealed the suspension, but the appeal has been suspended itself because he previously asked for what they call parental independence. Kind of like a uh, emancipation here in the States. 
all the reason he said he did that was, look, I don't want my parents to get stuck in this legal battle. I mean, I'm 11th grade. I can make my own decisions. So now the court is saying, oh, well, since you're no longer part of that deal, then we, we, we have to suspend you indefinitely because, well, we, we can't reinstate you from this parental independence that you've already asked for. Uh, the principal of St. Joseph's Catholic High School, Derek Lennox, and uh, the director of education for the Renfro County Catholic School District Board, Mark Searson, uh, have not commented on the situation yet. But this is the problem with gender confusion. I mean, it's one of many. The fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created mankind in his image, male and female, he created them. That's it. Those are the only two options. But we're living in a world that is having a harder and harder time understanding that. This article is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Please pray for Josh Alexander. He just wants to go back to school. He was taken up for a couple of friends who said, I feel threatened by the presence of a boy in a dress in the bathroom, which is admirable and noble. He's not trying to, you know, cause attention or, or, or make a distraction. And I don't get the sense that he really hates the guy who's dealing with the transgender issues either. He's just saying, look, if you're going to take his rights into consideration, please take into consideration the rights of these two girls. Well, we've got this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. And as I mentioned uh, before, there's a there's something about these old-fashioned values that are just really, they're refreshing. They're wonderful. I think that's the reason why people are drawn to them, especially in the media. Today's Movie Monday here on The Bottom Line Show. And on the other side of this break, uh, I'm going to be joined by Martha Bolton, who's a writer, a producer, a songwriter too, who's behind a brand new stage adaptation of the uh, Heritage of Lancaster County book series by Beverly Lewis. Uh, the Confession musical has been brought to the stage and now it's going to be on the big screen as well on 1,500 screens a week from today, Monday, uh, February 20th. We have tickets, because it's Movie Monday, to give away for that screening. We'll be doing that on the other side of this break and my conversation with Martha Bloom coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Well, Movie Monday today here on The Bottom Line, and we have, this is a kind of a confluence of artistic formats that I just personally love because it's a chance for you as a Bottom Line listener to see something on the big screen, but it's an adaptation of, uh, well, an adaptation of a book series that actually was played out on stage. It's called The Confession Musical. It stars John Schneider and Chanda Pierce. Uh, it's a 
beautiful stage adaptation of the Heritage of Lancaster County by Beverly Lewis. And joining me today here on The Bottom Line is Martha Bolton. Martha is a playwright and author of nearly 90 books, Emmy-nominated scriptwriter, and the first, well, she's, I'll let her tell more about herself when we get her on the air because she's involved <laughs> in bringing this to the big screen. Uh, Martha Bolton, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about this production because it is so much fun. I mean, it's a, John Schneider's been on with us many times before, and it kind of it was a kind of a different look for John, you know, than I was used to seeing here. But give us kind of maybe a sixty second overview. What is the confession is all about? Well, it's about an Amish girl that uh, finds out about a family secret and goes on a journey to uh, to find out the truth. And that takes her from the Amish world into the English world. And that's where John Schneider comes in and Shonda, they're over in the English side. And um, he plays a husband of a woman who it could very well die because of her illness. And she is in search of her child that she gave away at birth. And he is her husband who is trying to cheat her out of the money. Mm. So Shonda plays her uh, loving maid, and she's on to uh, John's character, Dylan. <laughs> and so there's a there's a big back and forth between the two of them, and a lot of fun. Uh, although the the musical itself, the story has a lot of very uh, heavy, uh, thought provoking, and dramatic moments. Uh, so it's all it's going to take you on a journey, an emotional journey. Uh, through all of this and you'll be crying and and laughing and and singing to the to the songs as you go out of the theater and hopefully the theater with a lot of hope that uh, yes the answer i love it well this is coming to theaters next monday february 20th it's a one day only fathom events event we've got a link for the trailer for the confession musical up at the bottom line show.com and of course since it's movie monday we'll be giving away some tickets martha how did you become involved in this uh, in this process i mean we're talking Beverly is such a great gifted writer, especially for the plain folk in Pennsylvania. And she's built up this legacy. And then to take this and bring it to the stage and then the big screen adaptation, how, wh where did you get on board? Well, Mel Resecker, who uh, grew up Amish, and he's our go-to hmm. man for all, th all questions Amish. So we go to Mel. He's our executive producer. And when he got the idea that he wanted to bring these the stories onto the stage in his theater. He owns a restaurant, theater, hotel uh, there in Amish country. And so he contacted Dan Postema, who's our producer, mm -hmm. and he's very uh, uh, gifted in music. He contacted him and then Dan uh, contacted me. I was recommended to him as a writer. And and then um, also Wally Nason is uh, the songwriter. So we all three got together and and started working on it uh, i took the books the the three books and she's a gifted writer and he, he had contacted uh beverly lewis already and and got mm -hmm. you know gotten the rights to uh, to do this to those to the trilogy and and so i went through the books and dog-eared pages and circled and and all the places that i thought could tell the story on stage to make it you know, mm -hmm. fit into three hours and you're working with three novels. Right. So I had, we, we had to be selective and we would have loved to put the whole thing on stage. Um, but uh, 
it's it's condensed into three hours and we tell the story through music and and drama and humor and um that's that's how it came about and we're still at it we're on our 14th musical now so wow we keep we keep real busy well I, you can tell i mean as someone who grew up um around the boards myself my dad did light opera here in southern california for many many years and so anytime i see any kind of stage presentation you know i'm coming in with a a, a tuned ear anyway and i loved watching the the screener of this martha because of the fact that it's obviously well written but if the music isn't right then the musical part of the confession musical wouldn't work and so <laughs> i love the fact that you you bring a rather unique skill set to this though i mean in addition to having been nominated for Emmy Awards as a script writer, you also have been nominated for awards as a songwriter. Talk about that, if you would. Well, the 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 Emmy Award was for music and lyrics. That was okay. what the Emmy Award was for. And then I've mm -hmm. worked on um, uh, shows as far as, you know, where the show got and won uh, the Emmy, uh, uh, the Bob Hope's uh, birthday, 90th birthday show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and those things. But but the Emmy uh, nomination was in was in music. Okay, okay. So the, ha having that musical background, being able to tell the story, and from what I understand too, I mean, when you think about the Heritage of Lancaster County series with uh, Beverly Lewis, if I remember correctly, didn't Beverly used to teach piano? I mean, is, is she yes. she's rather music? Yeah, she's and, rather and musical she too. Was, yes, and she was very excited about putting her the story up onto the stage with music and and she said those worlds coming together for her personally was was really exciting i'll bet martha bolton is with me today here on the bottom line she's a a playwright a musician and uh is is kind of the driving force as part of the creative team here for bringing this Beverly Lewis series, The Heritage of Lancaster County, to the stage, which is now on the big screen. It's called The Confession Musical. It'll be in theaters one night only, February 20th. It's a Fathom Events event. Uh, we've got a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. And of course, we encourage anytime there's a faith-based production that hits the big screen, we like to just hype the heck out of it here on The Bottom Line Show because it is so very important to uh, to, to support and, and to do that. What's the most satisfying part of this, Martha, watching this on the big screen now? I mean, you mentioned this is your 14th go-round at something like this. But <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, you've, so you've got, I, I guess it, I don't want to ask the question to make you say which one's your favorite child you know that type of thing but <laughs> but but how is it for you on that side of the creative uh you know process looking at this come to life and saying people are going to respond to it they're going to have their lives impacted positively by seeing the confession musical well that's what's to hear them talking you know at intermission and after the show of how much they enjoy just talking among themselves that, you know, as you walk by them and you hear the conversation, it, that, that is so satisfying. And, and we have, we received letters of people that have seen the shows and just where they share what it meant to them. And each one uh, takes home something else. It, it mm -hmm. hits somebody in one place in their life where something else will hit another person at a certain place in their life. And, and we just love hearing the stories, but we know that it is impacting people. And, and each, each show is very different and it, it um, uh, teaches or delivers a, a, a different message. It ha has driving through the entire program as whatever the message is. And uh, we try to make it very, you know, it's very varied. <laughs> the mm -hmm. uh, uh, all, all the different shows we try to we try to 
keep them different and 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 want people to enjoy them. I'm talking with Martha Bolton today here on The Bottom Line, part of the production, writing, musical, everything team that brought the Confession musical to the big screen, actually the stage first and then to the big screen. And so if you like going to musical theater, but you realize, well, we can't get to where it's performing, you go to fathomevents.com and you find the link to where the Confession musical is playing as a one-day-only Fathom Events event. It's coming up on Monday, February 20th, so it's a week from today. So therefore, you get the opportunity to get all excited about it and make plans to spend President's Day in the theater watching the Confession musical. Uh, Martha, in addition to writing books, writing scripts, uh, you know, working on this now, uh, you have a rather auspicious distinction as someone who uh, worked with Bob Hope. And uh, you mentioned his 90th birthday uh, celebration here. Talk about what it was like to work with him and the role that you fulfilled in that, because it, it, it's, I think it's very noteworthy. <laughs> it was uh, a comedy writer's dream assignment to get to write for Bob Hope. And I, yeah. I was a staff writer. I became his first woman staff writer. And I hmm. was uh, wrote for him. Uh, for 15 years in the 80s and the 90s and uh, his personal appearances, his television shows and also his military shows. So mm, whenever wow. he called and he called often and late at night, often uh, <laughs> three o'clock in the morning was very usual for him because uh -huh. he would be in different time zones. So mm -hmm. where he was at was fine, but <laughs> yeah. he was always getting all of us out of bed. Uh -huh. But um, it was a, it was an incredible experience. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. It I learned so much. I he was such a great person to work for. Just a kind, kind, heart-hearted person. Very giving. He gave everything that he got in his life. I think he gave it right back out. And mm. he, and we we know that we saw it with the military, and getting yeah. to uh, work on a project with his daughter Linda, and. Uh, which covered the World War II letters from the soldiers to him and his back to uh, his letters back to them. And it just in those letters it it just really showed why there was such a connection between him and the GIs. And mm. uh, it was I, I thought I knew it. But in reading those letters, I it was really eye opening to how deep oh. the connection went. I think that's great. And it, it's wonderful that you're able to bring, uh, you were able to bring so much of, you know, the material that, that, you know, he just made it look easy, you know, getting up in front of a crowd, you know, but you guys it knowing did. that you were working behind the scenes and that there was a good give and take uh, Martha Bolton sharing a great story about being the first woman lead writer for Bob Hope and working with him for 15 years. She br did that help you? I wonder, I, I, my, my initial thought would was, yeah, it would. I mean, if you're working on, we're talking about the Confession musical, which is in theaters, Monday, February 20th, the one day only Fathom event, event and the link for the trailers up at thebottomlineshow.com. Did that help, Martha, as you were making the transition, working on, you know, some of the screenwriting stuff you did? We mentioned the, the songwriting that you had, but writing for someone who's delivering the jokes, you know, doing that, I, I would imagine that would help you kind of get a feel for the pacing and the cadence of life theater, too. Absolutely. And uh, and you learn that. You learned, you know, one too many words is one too many words. Mm -hmm. and not enough words. You, you don't have clarity. So you learn that in joke writing and <laughs> certainly put it into dialogue as you're writing it. Can I have you repeat that and say that for some of the ministries that I have get scripts from that they want me to write? Because, <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, you've you've seen the run on 
paragraph as opposed to run on sentence but there yeah. there really is some, I, and i think in this day we're, we've got a message of hope you know beverly's stories are you know they're they're timeless there's a biblical application there's a hopeful application there's family connection and things like that but it's so amazing martha and and you probably understand this better than a lot of younger people coming up uh, you and i both come from a, an era when it's like wait you have to you have to measure the words. You got to make sure that they are delivered in just the right way. Like you mentioned, you know, one or two words, too many or too little uh, throws everything off. And I think in a culture where we have instant access and people just say, well, I just have to express myself. Um, the work that you do, people are responding to the confession musical, I'm sure positively because you've taken the lengths to make sure that the songs are the right time and in the right key and, you know, that type of thing. Right. Right. There's a lot of work goes behind the scenes and, uh, <laughs> But it's worth it in the end. You you know, you have to put in that that much work because you're sitting there in the audience and every time you hear it, it's gonna bother you. <laughs> yes. Not clear. Yes. So we we uh we try to take care of that really quick. Oh, I love that. I love that. Martha Bolton is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about her role in the behind-the-scenes side of the writing and the production and everything of bringing the confession musical based on the Beverly Lewis uh, series, The Heritage of Lancaster County. Uh, it, the confession musical uh, was on the stage and now is coming to the big screen as basically you're going to see a movie that's based on, it's you're, It's like you're at the theater watching the, the stage production. It's a one-day-only event, Fathom Events, February 20th. Uh, the link for the trailers up at the bottom line show.com. Uh, Martha, we got about uh, 10, uh, no, 60 seconds left in our conversation here. Um, what is your hope for when someone goes to the theater on Monday, February 20th, watches the confession? What kind of time do you hope that they have and what do you hope they take away from it? Well, I, I hope, number one, I hope it's an escape from, from all of the news, whatever going on in their life or, or uh, you know, whatever there is, you know, is on their heart. Uh, just for a little bit of a respite, and they go and they have a good time, but it it's going to move you. You're also going to go on this emotional um, journey through the ups and downs of this girl's life. And I hope when they leave, they leave knowing that there's good endings and yeah. and where um, you know love wins in the end, and and that you know all things is all all things can can come out right. And yes, all things work together That's for good. Hope. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Martha, thank you for uh, the time that you spent with us today. Thanks for the work that you put into the Confession musical. Martha Bolton has been my guest today on the Bottom Line Show. Check out this great production when it's in theaters next Monday, the 20th, and check out the trailer at thebottomlineshow.com. Martha, great to get to meet you. Thank you for well, your time you. today here on the Bottom Line. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Well, what a fun presentation this is. I really enjoyed it. It is long, but you certainly get your money's worth. Thank you, Martha Bolton, for joining us today here on The Bottom Line. And thank you for our friends at Fathom Events for giving us tickets. 1,500 screens next Monday, February 20th. And we've got a couple pair of tickets to give away to see The Confession musical starring John Schneider and Shonda Pierce. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, today is Movie Monday. The tickets we're giving away for our screening next Monday, President's Day, Feb 20. So know that in advance, but also know, too, that with 1,500 screens available showing the Confession musical, um, you're going to find one close to you. So enjoy those tickets when you get them. Give Crystal a call right now, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. My thanks again to Martha Bolton, the writer, uh, one of the brain trusts behind the new musical, which is based on a stage production, which is based on a novel series by Beverly Lewis. Uh, the novel series, uh, Heritage of Lancaster County, has been made into The Confession, uh, which the, it's a musical that's on the big stage right now. And they've done a film adaptation of that, which they're showing next Monday, Feb 20, in theaters. 1,500 plus screens, so you've got a lot of great opportunities to go see this. It's a one-day-only event, and we've got tickets to give away right now. A couple of pairs when you call Crystal at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Ever wondered why so many people like the older-style programs? I mean, like this one, the Confession Musical, all about the Amish world, and I think about our friend Brian Bird and the Hallmark Channel and and the movies that they're showing there with the One Calls the Heart series, which was based on another set of Christian novels by a woman by the name of Jeanette Oak. I remember meeting Jeanette. I met Beverly Lewis, gosh, 20 years ago in New Orleans. Man, was it hot. Uh, we, were, we were right across the street from the Superdome. They were doing the International Christian Retail Show, and this must have been in uh, 20 or in 2000. And uh, it was it was just that blazing, you know, uh, uh, gulf heat. And Beverly was so sweet, and she was just starting to make the, the rounds. She talked about, you know, being a piano teacher and these kind of simple values that she really loved and championed. And the past 20 years, she's been writing these novels. They've been so very, very successful, and I think there's a reason for that. It's not just, it's really easy on the surface to say, well, there's an audience that likes the Waltons and likes one calls the heart and one likes the, you know, that, that, that those Amish, plain, simple stories about, you know, a day's gone by when uh, it was just, it was easier to, you know, it was a simpler time actually. But understand that when you think about those simple times, that was also a time in American history that was really dark. I mean, it, it can be romanticized. It's always sunshine, blue sky, you know, paws out there making the farm and ma's back in the house, you know, kind of sewing clothes and making bread. And, you know, it, it's all really great. But also remember, too, we had slavery. You know, there was a civil war that we lived through. I mean, that there, 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 there was the reconstruction period and the segregation period. I mean, we, we've had some really tough times in the U.S., and especially for the church. I mean, when you consider the role that the church played, say, in the, in the oppression and suppression of slave, I mean, for every 
Krishna that was working on the abolition side, there were many others who unwittingly were saying, no, this is this is God's plan. And I can show you chapter and verse in the Bible where we had, you know, that, that there were slaves too, and you're not supposed to have an uprising and whatever. And so I, but I think the thing that is so refreshing about these stories for me, knowing the history where we were coming from in our nation 100, 150 years ago, is not so much that everything was so much better because, you know, if you're Anglo, you're going, well, yeah, it was, it was good. And there was opportunity. And if you're African-American, you're like, no, not, not so much, you know. <laughs> and Hispanic, you're like, yeah, one day I went to bed in Mexico and I woke up the next day in America because they'd sold California. You know, I mean, there's, there's lots of change. But I think the thing that is refreshing about it, though, is it was a bit simpler in terms of morality and values, in terms of people understanding the difference between right and wrong. It doesn't mean that people didn't commit sins. Obviously, they did. But people understood the difference between, and there was some kind of uh, sense of guilt and shame for people who were in the wrong. And what we see in modern culture right now is the exact opposite. You know, it's like every day, another one of the imprecatory Psalms shows up in your scripture reading, God, why do my enemies prosper? Smite them down. And what, because that's basically the time that we're living in. But I, I love the fact that we as Christians will have a chance to go and show Hollywood once again, hey, if you put something up here that they might look at and say, well, there's corny, there's no nudity, there's no sex, there's no violence. Well, yeah, but there's betrayal. There's, there's that, you know, the, as we mentioned, the John Schneider's character playing the gold digger, uh, trying to get at the family fortune. I mean, th these, these sins are as old as mankind, and they're things that we wrestle with. And I think one of the reasons why people found this kind of art to be so redemptive was really very simple. And that is because these are the struggles we all have, and we long to see an example of someone who identifies that there's the problem, wrestles with the sin and then hopefully finds a solution and if they don't we can learn from that example as well so i i highly recommend that you see the the movie the confession musical which is basically you're going to go to the movies and you're going to watch a stage production but it's really good and it really speaks to the values that i think are important for us to reinforce in the culture today um, 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have tickets to this event, which is coming next Monday. It's a one-day-only event. I mean, the, the runtime of the movie is about three hours, so something tells me that there will be earlier showings if you want to go see this. But we've got a couple pair of tickets here, and Crystal's standing by to give them away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Well, welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so grateful that Martha Bolton was able to join me today. By the way, um, if you get a chance, check out myhopenow.com, and you can see us zooming back and forth with each other. Martha is part of the Brain Trust, one of the screenwriters and, and producers of the brand-new musical, and this is it's kind of fun. This is like one of those, uh, those Petrushka doll things, you know, the Russian ones, where you open it up, um, you know, and you can find another small doll inside, inside, inside. This movie that you're uh, getting tickets to win through Fathom Events 
is called The Confession Musical. It is based on a trilogy of stories that were written by Beverly Lewis. And so they were written as novels about the simple and plain country in uh, Pennsylvania. And then they were brought to the stage in the form of a stage production, all three novels kind of put together in one three-hour stage production. And then it's been filmed for the big screen. So if you like novels and if you like stage productions and if you like movies you get all three of them in one in the confession we're still giving away tickets through this fathom events event it's coming up monday the 20th next monday which is president's day it's holiday uh it'll be shown all day long at about 1500 theaters all across the country and we'd love to give you tickets we have a couple of pairs to give away crystal standing by at 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line here on this movie monday by the way i should mention speaking of movies um, if you did not get a chance to see The Baby Boomer Dilemma, that great documentary that Dennis Wilson hosted a screening of back in January, uh, there are still tickets available for the second, the Encore showing, which will be at the same place, Gem Theater in Garden Grove, coming up on Saturday, Feb 25. That's a week from this Saturday. And uh, it's a free screening. They're going to have free hot dogs, free soda, free popcorn. Dennis will be there. You watch The Baby Boomer Dilemma, and it'll tell you all about the retirement industry, about how your 401k and IRA really work, why the idea that having money in those accounts is a tax deferral now, but you wind up paying actually a bigger toll when you start receiving your pension and your Social Security and the required minimum distributions that come out. And there are ways you can avoid that that Dennis can show you how to do. But you got to watch the movie first. Get your free tickets when you call us. Just call us here at the Bottom Line Show, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We've got a couple of pair of free tickets for the Confession Musical next Monday, Feb 20, in theaters on Fathom Events. And we've got plenty of tickets available for The Baby Boomer Dilemma, Dennis Wilson's movie that he's screening on Saturday, Feb 25, in Garden Grove. 800-227-5278. KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Join us for the Bottom Line Show Extra coming up tonight at 7. Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus awaiting you. For those who remain on the network, a true miracle coming out of Syria. And the sanctity of human life has never been more fully on display than the story I'm going to share with you on the other side of this break as the Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Congratulations to everybody who called in. I heard my conversation with Martha Bolton, one of the writer, producer, directors of the brand new movie, uh, theatrical movie stage, (laughs) the novel that became a stage production that became a movie about the stage production about the novel. Uh, It's called The Confession Musical. If you like Beverly Lewis novels, you're going to love this thing. Uh, Watching it portrayed on the stage with Shonda Pierce, great Christian comedian who's a fine actress. John Schneider playing the bad guy. Uh, You remember him from Dukes of Hazzard. And uh, we've been giving away tickets uh, today to that, 800-227-5278. And by the way, not as a consolation prize, but as a a both and, uh, don't forget coming up on Monday, excuse me, on Saturday, February 25th, at uh, 11.30 a.m., Gem Theater in Garden Grove. Dennis Wilson is hosting an encore screening of the documentary called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. This is a movie where if you're a baby boomer or Generation Xer, if you're in retirement now or you are approaching retirement and you have a 401k and or an IRA, individual retirement account, 
Uh, you have to see the baby boomer dilemma because it features interviews with the guys who put these things together. Um, t Dennis talks about how they are, they start out as a good investment because you can defer some of your income for say you make $10,000 in the course of a year for a job and you defer up to 15% of that. So now you don't have to pay tax on the 1500 and it goes into an investment account that's going to earn some money and you don't have to pay any, uh, that, that money grows tax deferred. And then by the time you hit retirement, then you're going to be on a fixed income. You're going to be making less money. And so you'll be in a lower tax bracket and that's what you get. Well, guess what? That's not really the way it works because what happens, I, I know too many retirees who wind up getting, if they have a pension, if you've got a pension coming in, in addition to Social Security, there's a good chance that your pension plus your Social Security keeps you at the same income level that you were when you were working or comes real close to it. And then here come the required minimum distributions out of your IRA and 401k, and they are taxed at that old, you know, that high tax rate. I know some retirees who, because of the blessings of God, are actually earning more from their investments and their pensions and their social security than they did when they were working and earning a paycheck. All that to say that the idea that putting money in a 401k or IRA is good for you, it's good initially, but ultimately it, it it's, it's not as healthy. And as Dennis Wilson likes to say, basically here's the deal. You're either gonna pay tax on the seed or pay tax on the harvest. And it's better to pay tax on the seed because you don't know what kind of harvest you're gonna get from the seed. You'll watch the movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. You'll have your eyes opened, and then Dennis will be right there to answer your questions and to have further contact with you as to, okay, I'm in a 401k, I'm in IRA, what do I do? How do I move forward? And I'll tell you what, one of the best decisions you can make, my sister, my mom and dad, uh, too many people that I've referred to, uh, Dennis and his team from the bottom line, you want to talk about having a guarantee of knowing that this year, regardless of what the stock market does, Last year, the stock market lost 19.8% of its value. And you have to ask the question, if your investments are either in the stock market directly or affected by the stock market because of 401k or IRA, do you have that much time? I mean, even if the market bounces back 2 or 3% this year, you lost 20% last year, how much time do you have to recoup your investment? That's one of the questions the baby boomer dilemma uh, positions and, and presents and Dennis can answer so call 800-696-9970 800-696-9970 800-696-9970 for Wilson Financial Services talk to Emily talk to Devaney talk to Veronica whoever answers the phone and uh, and make sure that you get your tickets for the baby boomer dilemma if you're going by yourself ask for one if you want to bring your spouse bring two. If you've got adult children and you want to bring the whole family, we'll give away as many tickets as we have to give away until every seat is full. 800-696-9970, the kind of a movie money Monday extra. It's Saturday, February 25th, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. Dennis Wilson is sponsoring this screening, and it's happening at 11.30 a.m. at the Gem Theater in Garden Grove. Historic theater, tons of fun. I highly recommend you check it out. Hey, I want to share some good news with you uh, because I, I realized that, you know, we've been talking about financial stuff and preparing for, uh, you know, potential pitfalls in life and, and problems. And when you see what happened at that 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Turkey and Syria, and you want to talk about what a moving target this is. Initially, they said there were 
1,200 dead, and then it was 2,000 dead. And, and you're going to see an article Billy Hallowell at Faithwire posted about what the story I'm about to share with you. As of Feb 8, the death toll was 11,000. Going into the weekend, it was 22,000. Now, unfortunately, it's not so much a rescue mission, but a recovery mission. And yet, the stories now of survival, I think, are giving people a lot of hope. There's a picture here that we'll put at thebottomlineshow.com of a rescuer carrying a baby girl after pulling her from the rubble that was caused by the earthquake. This is in uh, Hinderis in Syria. And the baby was discovered about a week ago. Um, the baby was crying. And they heard the baby crying underneath the rubble. What's most remarkable about this story is the baby's mother, a woman called Afra Abdu Hadi, died during the earthquake. But apparently, she died while she was giving birth. And the baby was recovered with the umbilical cord still attached to her child. As near as rescuers can tell, this baby girl is the only surviving member of her family. According to... Uh, the researchers, or excuse me, the rescuers who were on site, if rescuers had not gotten to her when they did, she had about an hour left to live. And she's here. <laughs> well, it's such a beautiful story about the sanctity of human life and how precious it truly is. And Father, we lift up this baby girl to you. We know that you left her here. You brought her here for a reason. We pray that you comfort her, bring family around her to raise her now that her own biological family has passed away. And use her for special things, Father. We pray that we, we, we're claiming her for you. And we pray, Father, that since you've given her such a miraculous arrival into the world, we know that she's going to do great things. Please give her good health and good care in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, every life is precious, and our friends at Preborn are lifting that up each and every day. You can make, I encourage you to make a donation in, in honor of this young girl. Make a donation of $140. That protects the life of five babies whose mothers will go to a preborn clinic, see the ultrasound machine, uh, vision, and uh, the, the image that's on the screen, hear the heartbeat, and choose life for their child. It costs $28 for each ultrasound, so $140 will save five babies. 833-850-BABY is the number to call for preborn, 833-850-2229, or just click the banner at kbrightradio.com and you can make a donation there. Earthquakes are something that you just don't know when they're going to happen. You can do whatever you can to possibly prepare, but then you take a look at the damage and the debris and the rubble and you see what happens. What happens when another type of catastrophe happens in your life? Could be a car wreck or a slip and fall or anything of the sort. Uh, Stephanie Cover is going to join me to talk about being prepared for any kind of accident in any kind of season. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound 
either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk, of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Joined in studio for this special segment today here on The Bottom Line by Stephanie Cover with Cover Law. Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Stephanie Cover, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger, for having me. Over the, You look remarkable. You and Jim always <laughs> are up so upbeat and and and. Just you could see the joy of the Lord, and I could hear it in your voices. I get you guys always send me texts and stuff, and they're always so encouraging. In spite of the fact that for the past three years, what you guys have been through on the legal side has been a real roller coaster, yeah. a, a whirlwind, tornado, cyclone. I mean, what's what's because courts shut down, courts open up again, contractors go away, they kind of come in back in. Laws changed. There's been I, I don't know how if our bottom line listeners understand how much the personal injury law game has changed since COVID. Can you kind of give us a thirty five thousand foot view of of what the legal system has become? Well, the court in different jurisdictions, meaning, um, you know, uh, Santa Ana might have a, an, an area. Newport Beach has a court. Uh, Lisa Viejo has a court. You know, Norwalk has a court. Long Beach has a court. All different types of courts in San Diego, they all have their own rules. Mm. The individual court does for each city. Individual yeah. courts, and, and that's regarding appearances, whether what the COVID rule is at that time, mm-hmm. um, and if they don't want to see you in court, you have to go through your computer, either through Zoom or Teams or all kinds of new um, ways of connecting with the court. The court chooses the type of system they want to have, so you have to look at the court you have to read the court rules and you have to look at the department rules to make sure that you're following through and you're you're going to be heard at your hearing. Right, right, yeah. You know, so that that changes constantly. Yeah, we've got five major counties here in the Southland and, of course, Northern California, well, there's 58 counties in California. Right, okay, there you and go. And then all the different cities and all the different regulations. And that's just jurisdictions in court. Yes. And then let's let's not get started with all the changes in personal injury law. And like we talked about last month, the, the jaywalking changes and uh, all these different issues. But it's interesting how, as the laws have changed, I've noticed that people are a lot more aggressive on the road. I mean, it seems like, and not just the 91. For bottom line listeners who, li- who live and drive on the 91, the 91 Speedway, where you've always got two knuckleheads in their souped-up cars playing fast and furious in between traffic. I don't know why the 91 seems to be that place, but it seems to be. Um, actually saw a guy try to T-bone somebody, and he ran into a center divider, and he wound up losing his life just because they were. he was trying to cut this guy off, and I thought, it's just not that deep. I mean, it's a lane change. I mean, right. let, him, let him go, right? It's not that big a deal. But what you're seeing, Stephanie, is that same type of approach is showing up in the legal system, too. And for bottom line listeners who have been in an accident, and I, Stephanie was my counsel. I, we didn't have to wind up filing a case, but uh, she was in my ear the whole time I had my accident five years ago, um, giving good counsel. It seems like 
too many people will fall into this trap. I know people, you know people do this too. Well, I have good insurance, so that's going to solve my problem because my insurance company will fight for me. They have good insurance, so the insurance companies will figure it out. And nowadays, what you're telling me, Stephanie, is that more and more of the insurance companies are getting a little more brazen. A little, the clients are getting a little more you know, puffed up and thinking, I'm going to go after you a lot more. That's not just an anecdote. That's really happening. Uh, first off, when you're hit, it's not your insurance that pays. It's a stranger's insurance that pays. Yeah. It's a non-Christian organization, for-profit organization. So they have the um, they start out thinking they don't want to pay you or they're going to pay you as little as possible. And may I add something, too, since you brought up our faith? They don't care about us. Yeah, they don't. And this is not just because we're Christians. We're the other side of the equation. Yes. So first and foremost, they're protecting their shareholders. So the best thing for their shareholders is to pay you as little as possible, to pay and, me as little as possible. And they're protecting their job. Right. <laughs> yeah, because that's their job is to make sure they don't So they have a self-interest. Sure. And sure. Um, yeah, it's it's they don't want to pay uh People, when they represent themselves, may feel a certain way, but they don't have anyone to talk about, so they don't follow through with the treatment. Right, right. And when they try to bring it up later, uh, it's not on a medical record or mm -hmm. anything, so mm -hmm. it doesn't, they think they're lying. Right. Because everything has to be documented. What I say is a person speaks, uh, uh, who's injured speaks to the doctor, the doctor writes the report, and then I represent the client through what they said to the doctor and then understanding the medical terms, how that injury should be compensated for. Mm -hmm. So it, ha it starts out with the injured person. And if they don't have someone saying, well, did you tell them that? Because nine times out of 10, they say no. Right. And I'll say, well, why didn't you? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So they're hurting themselves. And then when you do that and you kind of have a naive attitude thinking everything's going to be okay, you get to a point and you say, okay, I guess this can't settle. Let me hire someone at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And then you, you hire someone and then the law firm may see, oh, there's a few holes here. So they will do everything they can not to pay you. Mm -hmm. And they file big motions with the court. They they file all kinds of requests, ridiculous requests. Sure, that, that are designed to either frustrate you or just stall for time or, you know, get to the point where you now are backed up against the wall because you took the initiative as a client. Now, I'm talk not talking about you as Stephanie. Right, yeah. especially um, younger people go on social media. Mm -hmm. They request all their social media for, you know, the last so many years. Wow. So... You know, you just have to know to keep your, your personal business to yourself. Right, right. If, especially if you've got, I mean, it. I've been on the receiving end of a couple of accidents where you kind of want to put up a picture of the car and go, hey, appreciate your prayers, got, you know, rear-ended in the road today. I, one time I was coming on my way to K-Bride, was before we started working with you, and I wish I'd known because, you know, <laughs> it would have gone a lot differently for me. I mean, the car got fixed, but it took forever and didn't get proper medical, and that was the same car that wound up getting totaled. God said, see, I told you, you shouldn't be driving that car. You know, I hit you twice, you let, let that happen. But I understand, too, that if someone did request a Facebook account or an Instagram account or something like that. And you have all these pictures with all everything that you're saying about it and stuff like that. That could really ham hamstring you as an attorney, Stephanie Cover. Well, not only that, this is, this is what the other side is like. 
I had a lady once who had injured her knee. Okay. Okay. So we went to a, a an agreed um, meeting mm-hmm. where we were going to have somebody um, connect both sides to try to resolve it. Kind of mediate. Yeah, it was a mediation. Okay. So the the other side took a face. This lady was in her thirties. And they took a Facebook picture of her when she was in high school where she was skiing. And they show that to the mediator saying, see, she's fine. And she looked and said, look at that picture and look at my face. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is like 12 years ago. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I mean, they will even try to distort something like that from the past. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's that, that's pretty <laughs> reckless. Stephanie Cobert with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about the need for a personal injury attorney in light of the fact that there are a ton of new laws for personal that have impacted personal injury law over the past three, four years, and the insurance companies, and sometimes even the defendants. I mean, the people who caused accidents are trying to change their story, get more aggressive, come after you. You can't go through a personal injury case alone anymore. If you ever thought... I'll just call my insurance company and they'll take care of it. You're going to get hammered. You need Stephanie Cover on your side. 877-214-4935, kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law, and that's Stephanie with an F and Cover is in cover. Stephanie, as we've got a couple minutes in our time uh, to talk, as we're talking about these law changes and why it's so important to have a personal injury attorney, um, there's obviously the reckless nature of life that's happening. There's also a spiritual component, too. And I know we talk about this a lot, how you can see the spiritual warfare at play yes. in what you're doing, whether it's in the yes. courtroom or uh, talk, talk about why it's important for our listeners to have an advocate like you who gets that. Because if it's just an attorney, the attorney's going to say, well, if you check off this box and show up at this thing and whatever, they might get a decent settlement. But when you can see some of the, you know, the I, I think of Frank Peretti in those novels, you know, you can see the demon sitting on somebody's shoulder sometimes and they're not even aware of it. Talk about why that spiritual component in the law profession now is even more important today than ever before. Uh, well, the, it, there is a stronger sense of evil out. Mm-hmm. And as a result, people are not making the right choices uh, through the eyes of the Lord. Right. And they're um, creating, um, they're, they're not trying to, they used to try to talk to each other and work it out mm-hmm. and, and explain their differences and see the other side now it's ambush. Hmm. Now it's, uh, let's see how much we can uh, put fear in this person, which you wow. know is not from the Lord. Right, right. And I I have attorneys trying to do that all the time. Oh, my goodness. And then when you go into court, um, some judges don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and you can tell. Yes. I mean, I, this is not us yes. being holier than thou. I think as Christians, we have to be discerning because of the spiritual warfare. You could walk in and say, there's something on that guy. You know, yes. and, and Yeah, and I have to be ready for the battle. So, Or the opposing attorney that you really don't mm-hmm. see because you're on the phone, and then they show up and you think, oh, that's why we didn't disagree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, that prayer cover is huge. I mean, to have someone like that who's yeah. uh, you know, really, I, I, I talk about this a lot. You know, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit being our advocate. Yes. And it's kind of that legal term, you know, that we see in Scripture. And so to have an advocate who is, you know, covered by the Holy Spirit. Right, you know, yeah. You, now more than ever, Stephanie Cover is valuable if not just for the spiritual side, but also for the legal expertise as well. You, you're seeing that, you're sensing that, and yet, oh, yeah. obviously, we have our hope in the Lord. 
Yeah, I've talked to the Lord quite a bit about it. I'll bet. <laughs> why me? Why now? Yeah, but you know, it's hang a, in there. He says. Well, sure, it's a calling. You've done this for more than a quarter century. Yeah, you know, and and especially in this vein of law where right. a lot of people don't do personal injury. It's kind of like being the youth director at church, right? You do it for a couple of years, and then you try to find something else because it's pretty vicious. God has given you the temperament, Stephanie Cover, to be involved in personal injury law for more than 25 years. It's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> the dean of, of personal injury lawyers in Southern California. And I and just let me add something. Yeah. I, I was asked a couple of weeks ago to read, a uh, friend of ours, they were going to hire another law firm, and I was totally, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And they asked me to review the attorney's contract. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen anything where they were trying to take from the people so much. Mm. So you, you need to sometimes have somebody, don't sign that retainer right away. You need someone to look at it with an honest eye. Yes. Um and my husband, Jim, writes mm-hmm. contracts. That's his specialty. Yeah. And uh, we both said, hey, we're telling you the truth. This is trouble uh, for you. And they're like, well, why would the attorneys want to take it? I go, because they'll be making your money. Ooh. <laughs> Quoting you on that one. Boy, it's that, true. It is It is so very, very true. You know, don't, don't let anybody do anything that is going... If this is where God has led you and God is, you know, choosing to bless and heal and restore, because we talk about how restorative what you're doing is. This is not about money grubbing. Every time we see those billboards, I could get you all the... That's not what we're right. talking about. This is about restoring what has been lost, repairing what has been damaged right. in a very biblical sense. Right. And uh, if for no other reason, if you are involved in a case and someone said, oh, call my friend, they're an attorney, and you get their contract, call Jim and Stephanie. Cover and let them look at it because chances are you're going to wind up with Cover Law, you know, <laughs> representing you because they can tell you the truth about what these other people are trying to do. Don't let them take your money. Yeah, you got to be careful. The very first step. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I'll ever recommend. 877-214-4935. If you don't have that name and number in your contacts, I don't want to say I can't help you, but I mean, the only way you can help yourself, God has given you this opportunity and this advocate and this friend to help you in a legal situation. So I can't understand why you wouldn't put, I'll use a double negative, Stephanie with an F, Culver is in cover in your contacts. And go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Culver Law, and you can contact her that way too. Stephanie, always a pleasure. We always have such great uh, conversations about some really difficult subjects, but thank you for being with us to kind of clear the air today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate you. Always good advice from the only personal injury attorney. Did I just mention that? The only personal injury attorney that I will ever recommend, Stephanie Cover with Cover Law. If you do not have her name and number in your contacts, take out the pencil and paper right now and do that. Or just get your phone and just start popping them in. Stephanie with an F, Cover as in cover, 877-214-4935. Some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all of them to good, Romans eight twenty eight. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him, 
for the guidance and what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Stephanie Cover for joining me in studio today here on The Bottom Line to talk about preparedness. And as we think about disasters that happen, whether they're weather-related or uh, you know, the, the natural disasters like the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, um, there are certain things you can prepare for, certain things you have to be reactive and responsive to. And uh, I think about what we've been reading about with that little baby who's literally her mother gave birth in the middle of the earthquake and died giving birth to her. The baby still had the umbilical cord attached. If the rescuers hadn't gotten there when they did, if they maybe even a half hour, an hour too late, uh, that child would not be alive. But God has a reason. You know, I, I saw a, a, a meme the other day. I think I've shared it on the air before about natural disasters, storms, and things like that in life. And, you know, oftentimes Stephanie and I talk about the fact that this is the nature of her work, is that God does some of his greatest work in, in and through an accident situation. And the meme said something to the effect of the storms don't, come in life to uh, cause havoc sometimes the storms come in life to clear away the path and I th- it really just is a matter of perspective God what are you doing through this if you get into a car wreck uh, maybe God has is trying to get your attention with something allowing this to happen so that you would take better care of a different part of your life or maybe maybe you needed a new car I mean I, I don't want to put I don't want to put limits on God he can work all things together for good but I don't think he allowed, when you think about the, the auto industry and how many zillions of cars there are on the road and how many people are either accident prone or they're not, I just have to wonder if God uses those things to really wake us up and get our attention. One thing is for certain, COVID was a test run on what's happened in the culture. There are governmental things that are happening right now. Please pay attention. Watch the signs of the times, brothers and sisters, and be prepared. Ultimately, know that what we are waiting for and longing for is the Lord's return to bring us home to heaven so that we can rule and reign with him forever and ever. In the meantime, occupy until he returns faithfully, prayerfully, uh, scripturally. Do what you can to stay ready. That's the good news of the gospel, and that's the bottom line.